What's happening, everybody? What's going on? Welcome to New Perceptions Podcast with me, your host, Ben Brown. This is episode 11 of the podcast, and I'm on my own. And what I did was a Q&A um, on Instagram, where I asked you guys to ask me questions about mental health, since it was Mental Health Awareness Week, and the impact that being an influencer or being on the internet has had on my mental health over the years and what it means for me now and what it looks like when I look back and so I answered like 34 of these over the 34,000 questions that it seemed I got took me ages to go through them and pick them out um but thank you so much for everybody who sent in the incredible questions and I hope you enjoy the podcast a little bit of news next Saturday which is the date is next Saturday the 25th of May is when my new t-shirt is coming out it's a new design um, new merch and so yeah if you're interested in supporting me and I just want to give you guys a massive thank you to everybody who always buys my t-shirts or supports me in any way that you can it makes a huge difference to me allows me to continue on this um, wild journey of expressing myself and sharing all of this these parts of my life so thank you so much to everybody who's planning on buying a t-shirt from me in the future I think you're going to really enjoy the design um, I'm going to put it out on social media um, during the week to let you guys so you can see what the actual design is it's in a collaboration uh, with a local Cape Tonian illustrator um, called Mike who uh, is incredible I'm really happy with the design so yeah, that's coming out Saturday the 25th. New merch on my website, mrbenbrown.com. Um, but yeah, stay tuned to Instagram to see what it looks like in the days leading up to next Saturday. Um, and that's about it. I think, uh, thank you everybody also who's been sharing um, the podcast on your Instagram stories. And thank you so much for all the feedback of um, the previous podcast with me and Ella where we were talking about five things each that we've learned from each other in our first year of dating um it was a really i think it was a good podcast one of the better ones um it's very insightful and i get a lot of people messaging me um thanking thanking us for the insight and how it's helping telling me how it's helping them in their relationships um that they're currently in as well and kind of shedding light on situations that were kind of confusing before so if you haven't listened to that podcast um i will link it below just go and check it out it's number 10 it's the previous one and whatever podcast platform you're listening to um give us a follow and if you feel like rating this podcast and letting me know what you think about it please do so so i can check and i thank you already to everybody who's given us a rating on itunes and um yeah that's about it for the intro so without further ado here is me talking about mental health and answering your questions peace what's up what's up what's up guys um welcome to the podcast today's podcast is a q a about mental health because it is mental health awareness week or it was last week if you're listening to this not exactly when it comes out straight away um so online on instagram i asked you guys on one of my stories to ask me questions about my mental health and my journey with it as an influencer online um i got thousands and thousands and thousands of questions which took me hours to go through and pick out and thank you so much for everybody in your engagement and your 
involvement in this uh, little Q&A. Um, I hope I do it justice. There are lots and lots of amazing questions and I, I couldn't obviously answer them all. And there are a lot of repeat questions that are all quite similar. So I've kind of tried to pick out the most popular questions and give like a broad range of uh, sort of different questions around this subject of mental health. Um, and I think... Yeah, I mean, this podcast is called New Perceptions and um, my my mental health has become um, a priority in my life um, above that which I used to think was more, most important, like photography. I used to think filmmaking and all these other things was more important than mental health because I never understood that it was like how it was affecting me negatively and my life and my relationships and everything until I gained awareness of it and now suddenly it's become the most important thing ever um, because, well, for a number of reasons. I mean, it, it, it is everything. It is life. It's it, your human experience here in this reality um, can be, can go all sorts of different ways. But if you don't have awareness and control over your mental health and the kind of low vibration disease that can infect your mind on a conditioned level then you can let your then your mind will just um steer the ship and you won't have seemingly any control over what's happening in your life um so for me it's like gain back control understand what mental health means um and then continue moving forwards with my life and doing all the things that I actually really want to do that serve me. Anyway, so mental health is important, of course. Um, you probably know that already because you're listening to this podcast. Um, so let's crack on. Questions. I've got a whole bunch of questions. Some of them I'll rattle through a little bit more quickly than others. Um, I'm just kind of going to try and kind of freestyle it because there's so many questions. Um, I'm not, I haven't done like mad research into each of them or written out most of them. I just kind of going to go with the flow so hopefully it sounds all right and hopefully you get what you're after by listening to this podcast so let's start with question number one which is how is your mental health um which is a great first question and thank you for asking my mental health at the moment is great um i think having awareness is a great thing whether or not you are um on like a down day or an up day or even having like a down week or a month. Like if you are going through something like that and you have awareness of it, then you're just going through it. You know, um, it's how is your mental health is a, is a difficult question, I guess, to, to really answer because some days I'm feeling on top of the world. And for me and for everybody else, that might seem like, oh, your mental health is good. Um, but everybody has those down days as well and those um, moments of anxiety or fear where they get kind of suckered into a grip of a lower frequency, a lower vibration that feels kind of rubbish. Um, that is just part of life and that is part of like the ebb and flow of life. So just because you're experiencing that doesn't mean you're like, oh, damn, my mental health is like bad at the moment. If you have awareness of it and you know that it's not going to last forever, then that's good mental health. Um so yeah, I think that answers that question. Um, number two, how has being an influencer affected your mental health? Oh shit, this is not such an easy question to answer, but this is kind of the topic of um, this podcast specifically. 
Um, so how has being an influencer affected your mental health? In all sorts of manners, in all, in all manners, all sorts of manners, of ways, of every single way possible that you could think of, my mental health has been affected by being an influencer. I think, um, I think I've only gained awareness of my mental health and um, that side of life in the last year. So I spent many years before um, unaware of my mental health and not thinking that that was something that I ever had to de deal with. Um, in so being thrown without awareness into the influencer world, specifically YouTube, um, where we all know the comments are like where some of the most hectic conversations can go down in the whole world. Um, YouTube comments are no joke. <laughs> and it's also no joke when you're doing daily videos. So I was doing daily vlogs for a few for a few years. I did a few of them. Um, and people's expectations of what you do with your life um, don't always match what you actually want to do with your life. So people will give you feedback or they'll not watch your videos if they're not interested. And and popular popular like opinion of what should be going down on YouTube and what's entertaining and how you should be presenting yourself. And this is, um, this is an easy slippery slope to kind of go down. And definitely in my, in my YouTube career, I found myself kind of following the popular trends, which unknowingly to me was taking me away from like my truth and my reality. So the gap between online Ben and offline Ben, um, were sort of growing and also merging and blending because offline Ben was like being impacted and um, influenced by my own self. And and sometimes if I feel like my videos weren't exactly in alignment with what how I felt off, offline, I'd just say okay well that that's just kind of how it goes like if you if you meet me in real life I'm maybe a little bit different to how I am online I think that's perfectly normal um so being a youtuber definitely affected my mental health in the way that um over time when people would start giving me feedback in the comments that I didn't agree with I would take that to heart um and either try and adapt my videos to accommodate everybody and make sure I was maintaining my popularity. Um, and if I wasn't, I'd often think that I was failing and that hadn't, I need, I was the person that needed to change and rather than my audience being wrong about me. It was like, I was assuming that everybody that was watching my videos was pretty much like me and whose opinions were valid to me and I would get um I would take those opinions to heart and take it personally um particularly the bad ones and of course I'd brush over all of the positive feedback that I was getting which was like 98% of the feedback I was getting was like keep going love what you do blah, blah, blah. um so yeah it, it's a difficult it was a difficult one to navigate and I think in retrospect um saying like I used to say oh yeah fuck the haters like I didn't not interested in 
what those guys are saying. Meanwhile, I'm busy reading all the comments and trying not to reply to people who are trying to tell me how to live my life who had never met me. And to me, this seems like madness that you try and communicate with me like this. But of course, I didn't know those people either. And most likely, if I'd met those people, I'd have a better understanding of why they were so angry at me for changing or being different or being too real online or being vulnerable online or putting opinions across that they didn't agree with online. So, yeah, I guess I guess to survive my YouTube career, I kind of um, stuck to a bit of a gray area um, instead of saying, no, this is who I am. This is my truth. This is me. Um, and if you don't agree with it, you don't have to subscribe. But instead, I was kind of building. And I mean, I was being myself in my videos, absolutely. But there's only so much of me that you can squeeze into 10 minutes a day. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that people are not interested in at all in hearing about that make up the rest of who I am. So there was a gap between what people saw online because also it was an entertainment channel. People tuned in to, to, uh, to escape. Um, and entertainment is big business too. So the part of the reason I started my YouTube channel was to help my, or at least the reason I did my my daily vlogs was to help my filmmaking career and my photography for photography career. And the way I saw that happening was by monetizing my videos, working with brands, editing every day, which would help me with my editing and being able to become a travel influencer, photographer, filmmaker as a full time career would, of course, help my that whole thing. You, there's, It's a machine that you have to get going and build so that it's making enough money for you to keep doing it. Um, so there was always that aspects of it where I was monetizing my videos and trying to make money from it and having to make money from my YouTube career. So at some stage having to sort of, without really being aware of it, sort of bend the way I was being online or put on a brave face and just be captain positive like everybody likes me being. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy um, trying to navigate those waters as an influencer online. Um, okay, number three, let's move on. How does mental health affect your creative process? Does your mental health affect the way you view your own art? When I'm having a bad time and I'm not feeling particularly like um, energetic or I've got lots on my plate and there's lots of things stressing me out and I'm anxious about money or I'm anxious about relationships or travel or family or like all these different aspects of life, my creativity can plummet. Um, especially last year, I was really struggling after my accident to firstly understand why I, why I was making anything in the first place. Um, and secondly, how I was going to keep this machine going and keep making money and do some branded deals here and there. And I was kind of grasping at this, that and the other. I was creating stuff for the sake of making money and just because I needed the money and I could build this whole machine that needs to keep going, broke my arm. Suddenly, I'm not sure if I'm interested in doing YouTube anymore, but I still need to keep the thing going. So I was making, I was forcing myself to make content and 
also not really having an honest conversation with myself about why I was making it. Because I still didn't know. I didn't understand. This was just a moneymaker now at this stage. And that is really not a good place to be creating from. And it blocked my creativity. Um, my anxiety blocked my creativity. Um, and it also, yeah, affected the way that I view my own work and my own art in that I didn't... Well, this is something that actually keeps coming up for me a little bit is like um, respecting myself as an artist um, and maintaining that respect even when I don't like myself. <laughs> and it's that this is kind of the, the crux of mental mental health is that if you if you're not on top of it, you can end up really hating yourself. Um, and that's where I found myself just like why am I here? Why have I, why have I brought all of this mess onto myself? And I still am not making YouTube videos. I'm still not doing what I want to do and create. And now I've got no energy for it either. So yeah, my view on my art was not a pleasant one. It was like, um, yeah, I was basically listening to all the wrong feedback as well. Just people, um, online saying that, um, if I don't keep going with everything, then everything is a waste of time that I've done before now. And yeah, yeah, I think having respect for my own art is something that I find a lot easier to have when things are going well, of course. Um, but yeah, mental health affects everything, including creative process. Um, okay, next question, number four. How do you maintain a positive self-image when the internet is, is full of do more, be more, be better? Um, that's a great question. Having a, again, it comes back to like liking yourself or not um, and liking what you're doing. Having a, maintaining a positive self-image of you <clears throat> is really important. Yeah, like like a question suggests, the internet's full of do more, be more, be better, like a really competitive environment. Um and competition is healthy, of course, to a certain extent, but not when it comes to art. And like, that's that's the difference. It was like viewing my my work as uh, a means to make money, as opposed to art. I was like, oh, I need the, all of this work will make me money, so I can make more art. And definitely, it did, and I definitely made more art. Um, but that competitive nature of online content creation is not healthy for me. Um, I think definitely an element of competition in other aspects of life is healthy. But um, when you're doing something just to be better than other people rather than doing it for yourself, then it's kind of a means to an end. Um, so maintaining a positive self-image on the internet is all about not comparing yourself to other people. Um, or if you do, or if you want to, at least have the awareness that like that's not a healthy thing to do. So if you find yourself comparing yourself to other people and their work or their life or how much money they make or how many likes they get on their interaction, and like you're making this whole thing completely super personal when really the, the amount of life that you're seeing of the person that you're comparing yourself to is about the same as the amount of life that you put out on Instagram, which is a small slice. Um, so yeah, just awareness again of 
if it makes you feel really bad when you're comparing yourself to other people, realize that and then do something about it that means that you don't have to sink yourself into that low vibration. Um, next question. Did you ever feel like you were competing against other influencers? Yeah, it's very similar to the last question in that, yes. <laughs> yes, I felt like I was in competition a lot. I feel like also viewers and fans love to check your numbers. Like for some reason, if you're more popular, then more then you're more popular despite what it is that you're what content it is you're making so people want you to be popular um if they like your content um but the problem with popularity is that if you give everybody what they want then that's this sort of gray area in the middle um and w in retrospect having a less competitive outlook on my content and every against everybody else's would have brought out a more authentic true to myself um version of me although that's difficult to say because um everybody's only doing the best that they can at any given moment and i certainly was doing the best i could with the level of awareness that i had around these things like for me competition coming from an athletic background Competition is what I need. I'm like, give me that competition. It's going to make me better. And that will get you only so far um, because in the end, you're just you're just competing against yourself, especially online. There's no finish line. Um, in the sporting, when in my kayaking days, at least I had a finish line that I could cross and be like, okay, that's my result And in the competition. But it's endless. There's no exit of this uh, competing against each other online. And, and I think... I think it's pretty unhealthy because it means that people will go to lengths to, I mean, I was, I was working nonstop when I was doing daily videos. I would not stop. And anytime I wasn't editing, I was probably filming, which means I wasn't actually present in that moment and enjoying that moment. Huge sacrifices were being made because there was that competitive nature. Quite early on in my career, I was earning enough money to get by and I just wanted to grow it's all about growth and expansion, being bigger and better. And that's that was kind of the competitive nature of YouTube as well. But yeah, I don't think that's particularly healthy. Um, and especially when you're making such big sacrifices in your life. And for what? Like to be have more subscribers than somebody else. It's crazy. Um, number six, how much time did you use to spend reading comments? way too much time, way too much time. I used to be obsessed with reading comments and I'd brush through all the positive ones and be like, yeah, oh, that's nice, thank you, beautiful, yeah, amazing. And then I'd pick out one really negative one and I'd just focus in on that. And all that was happening really there was my pain, my pain body inside of me was like, oh, here's someone else's pain body projecting onto my comments. So I'd read it and my pain body would get riled up and like get all angry and their pain. And then I'd reply and then their pain body would reply back to me. And I'd be like, you don't even know me. You haven't even met me. How can you possibly be telling me what I should and shouldn't be doing with my life? And obviously people who are leaving negative comments on YouTube aren't happy people. And they're certainly not aware of the fact that it's their their pain that is um, contributing this kind of communication 
through my comments section. And I certainly wasn't aware either that it was their pain that was communicating with me. And so I just take these comments to heart and super personal. Um, and I'm not, sh- and like I, I always thought, no, I'm not taking it to heart. I'm not taking it to heart. Like, but I've just this one person, I've just got to, I've got to really tell them how wrong they are because they don't even know me. And just it's such a waste of energy. And over years, that's so much energy wasted. Um, and I, I, I have learned to not read the comments. I've also learned to block people. Um, that's a really useful tool. But um, I still read comments, but now, I mean, not on YouTube so much. YouTube is just a disgrace when it comes to <laughs> um, the, the, the horrific pain that people would project into pe- other people's comment section. It's just like a, it's almost like worth turning the comment section off. Um, but yeah, now I don't take that shit to heart at all. I don't take it to heart because I know that that person dropping that horrible comment is not happy. I can like if if it's any sense of relief for me, it's like at least you're not living in a perfect world telling me that my world is imperfect. You I actually feel bad for you. I feel um I feel like I just all I have for you is love actually because if you're posting something like that to really try and jab me, you must be living in a whole world of pain compared to me. I would never post a comment like that on anybody's YouTube video, um, because I'm because I'm not in that much pain. I don't need to project like that. So, yeah, reading comments. I used to spend far too much time reading comments. Okay, next question. Did you ever feel like your online personality was different to your true self? No. I was always the person I thought I was, you know, if that makes sense. Like even now, in 10 years from now, I'll probably look back on the content that I'm making now and be like, whoa, look how unaware I was about this, this isn't it? But not shaming myself for it. I'm doing the best I can at any given moment, as are you, as is everybody else. It may not seem like it from an outsider point of view, um, cause it's easy to judge someone because you don't often know them fully. Um, but no, I was absolutely my, I mean, I was absolutely who I was in those moments. At no point was I uh, like only maybe a couple of videos I'd sort of be down and out and unhappy about something. I'd turn the camera on and pretend to be really happy because that was my brand and people don't want to see me being sad because I also felt really shameful around be- feeling anything other than happy, which we'll come to in a bit. Um, talking about like feeling shame around having it so good in life and then living in a body of shame, which actually r- ruins <laughs> ruins the, the good life because you're just living in this low vibrational fear that like you're not doing enough or you're not good enough. Um, and oh shit, and I've got all of these opportunities around me and I'm still not good enough, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, online personality, I guess when some people met me when, like, when offline, like in real life, and they might say that was a little bit more chilled, but yeah, I think, I guess, I guess I did build some kind of separate personality online, um, but that slowly, I mean, that doesn't last for very, for very long. It just dissolves away over time. 
any difference there. Okay, next question. Do you think you'd be happier if you happier if you weren't an influencer? No. Um I it's a difficult one to answer because I am an influencer and I I who knows what journey I would be on if I decided that the internet wasn't for me. Um but I don't I don't I don't think I'd be any happier. Um in fact the freedom that I've afforded myself in that sense of like my career is really as I as I get a bit older I realize the the true value of that freedom of my time that's really the only thing that matters um so no I don't think I'd be any happier I think uh this is th- the impact that ha- being an influencer has had on my mental health has probably accelerated my way towards awareness because I've just been put through the fucking washing machine with it. <laughs> um, next question. What is your inner dialogue when people leave negative comments? Now my inner dialogue is try not to get upset about it and I check my emotions. Like I check if I'm in a space to be even reading comments. Like if I'm feeling anxious or something's aggravated me and I'm in a reactory state where I'm just reacting to things rather than just ignoring them and letting them wash over me if I'm reacting and I'm reading a comment that's bad um, I still find it difficult to not get a little bit angry Um, but I find it a lot I mean with awareness now I can with an awareness of this like um, my reaction actually being my pain and not me, um, and their their comment being from a place of pain, projecting pain instead of actually them. Um, it's very easy for me to just forgive people and just say, "That's oh really? Like, is that so? Okay, cool. Next. Um, but yeah, I still respond sometimes um, if I'm not in check with my emotions. Um, when did you realize you needed to ask for help? So this isn't quite a very, this isn't a very specific question to being an influencer, but I think it's a really important one. Um, when did you realize you needed to ask for help? Well, I think it kind of, I think the moment I kind of realized I needed to ask for help was when I, when I truly believed one day that I wasn't going to be able to go food shopping. Um, I remember lying on the kitchen floor. And this is like about a year ago. And I'm just spiraling down into like a a vortex of negative perceptions of myself. um, Hating myself and just the overwhelming reality of um, this dream life sort of falling apart in front of my eyes. Um, that's when I really, really realized that I needed to ask for help, I think. So you don't have to let it go that far. (laughs) You don't have to get to that stage before asking for help. It's being vulnerable is such an important thing. Um, because we can't live without each other. And so helping each other is, is what we're really here to do, um, through this 
intense um, experience called being a human. Um, yeah, the first time I asked for help was yeah, just sort of opening up and being vulnerable to a few close friends. Um, and just say, telling to them, look, I feel like I've lost, I'm out of control. I've lost control of my life. Uh, which, of course, at the time, I, I had, pretty much. <laughs> um, but it's never as bad as you think. And I realized immediately the importance of actually having true, close friends. And I also learned how I could have been and can be a better friend previously in the past and in the future. I'm going to... This is sort of like when you have an empathy have this newfound empathy through experience, which is a Pisces thing. <laughs> we have to experience these things before having empathy, but um, it's you have an experience that where you gain some empathy for other people who've also had that experience. Incredibly important in, in the journey of being a human. Um, it's like sort of like ego shedding or, or shadow work or whatever you want to call it um, it's definitely not a fun thing to do um, but it certainly highlights the importance of awareness um, of the true value of a real life connection over a mobile device Instagram's interpretation of a connection so real life connections with real life people are far, far, far more valuable than your connections through your mobile device. It's, I can't emphasize that enough. And um, I learned this when I asked for help. Um, so what a beautiful thing to learn. I mean, like, if you'd asked me before, I would have been like, yeah, of course, real life connections are more important than Instagram connections. But until you actually have to really rely on people to help pull you out of a situation where you've lost control and there's not much you think you can do, then you don't really, like, it's it's difficult to understand that. Um, but we all go through it. That's kind of the beautiful thing about it, is it's something that we all share. Um, the highs and the lows of life. Yeah, emotions, they, they're the real life. On, off, offline emotions are the real life things, you know, like offline connections with other humans um i guess that's what life is all about here it's it's like experiencing all of the different sorts of emotions for all of the different unique reasons that we have that we experience on our journey our individual super unique journeys that we're all on um and it's such a big, beautiful range of emotions. Um, but the reality also online of like a good vibes only thing online where you just hashtag good vibes only. You're like, well, that you're missing like you're missing the point of life. Like you can good vibes only. What about the best fucking vibes ever only, which you can only get to if you've experienced worse vibes only. Like there's the pendulum swing from good to bad um is the beauty of life so hashtag good good vibes only is actually quite um unhealthy i think um 
yeah, I think we can get swept up in that quite easily. Um, and and then when you're when you're feeling like you're kind of swept up, then you then you're you default to whatever your conditioning is. Like if you are if you are unaware of the things that are impacting your emotions and how to like change them and or even aware that you can change them then you um your reaction to it in your mind is or default often um is fear um that's that's the kind of conditioning that we that we have as humans is we're conditioned to fear and be insecure um and see life life and lifestyles as like a competition definitely flexing online and good vibes are amazing like celebrate yourself go go for your win like show everybody how great you are um but have the awareness that your online experience will likely be a highlight reel of someone else's life so comparison however natural it is should be observed like we were saying before um comparison and competing with other people is totally natural but just when you see the dream life on instagram know that there's a whole story to that highlight reel that most likely involves a bunch of tough chapters as well as all the successful stories that that are paraded in front of you that's just awareness it's um it's not going to go anywhere like there's always going to be people putting out their highlight reel because it's far more easy to consume content that is celebrating and successful and happy um, because you can plug into that energy. It's far more easy to to, uh, consume that content than it is negative content. So it's always going to be swinging one way. Um, But your awareness around it can limit the impact that it has on you personally in a negative light, you know? Um, but yeah, asking for help is such an important one. I'm so glad that question was asked. When did you realize you need to ask for help? And, and it was late. It was, I guess, I guess late all in everything for a reason and everything in good timing, but I could have asked for help way and should have asked for help way sooner. And now I ask for help more frequently when I know that I'm not going to be able to do something on my own, um, but it involves speaking to someone who who won't like pass judgment on you. Um, so finding someone to speak to about uh, mental health issues and asking them for help around it. You try and find someone that you trust um, that's not going to judge you. Um, I spent a whole lot of time sort of feeling the low frequency of um shame shame is a real thing for me um that i'm constantly working on and it makes i bring shame on myself quite easily and quite quickly um and the shame of the shame of not getting getting life right the shame of like failing at things um the shame of like unconsciously building an online um sort of persona that was me but without my anxiety and without my fear um, and without jealousy. Um, yeah, it's just kind of an inac. I like felt shame for building an inaccurate 
version of myself that I was putting out publicly. Um, and I, I was, I'd see other people doing well online and I would be jealous of them. Although I always had a lot of love for other people's success, it wouldn't stop me from feeling like, fuck, why am I not there? Like that competitive nature coming in again and making me feel bad about not being like someone else, you know? Um, yeah, just, yeah, I, I love seeing other people do well. It's just, but it just reminded me of how I could be doing better, you know? Um, but with awareness, it's like, no, I'm doing my best at any given time. Um, and yeah, back then my lack of true, true awareness sort of kept me in competition mode for a long time and it served me well for a bit. Like I, I got a whole bunch of subscribers and like that competition element can definitely be helpful on occasion. Um, um, but once it came down to being vulnerable with my audience, um, and when things started to change last year, when I was like, look guys, everything ain't peachy and I'm just going to have to be vulnerable, vulnerable with you guys here. Um, this was like a whole new part of my journey and a whole new part of my content as well, which my audience weren't, you guys weren't used to. And I certainly wasn't used to being that kind of that vulnerable as well. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting time, like in that transition between sort of ego driven content and vulnerability. Okay. Next question. Um, what kind of role does exercise play in your mental health? Huge, huge role. This is why probably <laughs> I was so damn happy and positive for so many years throughout my life is because I was kayaking and training full time. And my also remember endorphins are those chemicals that you get that are released. They're happy chemicals in your body once and after during and after you've done exercise endorphins make you feel great totally addicted to those <laughs> that's that's like a um definite addiction but um because it was it's a healthy addiction because it kept me training i guess and um but having said that an addiction is still an addiction and um, there are reasons for for these addictions, like what what I wonder what it was that I was escaping from in by going training so consistently and working so hard at kayaking. Um, I guess the outcome of that was that I was fast at kayaking, so it seemed like a really healthy, good thing to be doing. And it, yeah, I mean, it can't be that bad, but that kind of level of addiction to something that was ultimately a bit of an escape. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lack of awareness around that back in the day. Um, but yeah, I do, I exercise, probably could do more exercise, but recently I've been, um, going to yoga about three or four times a week, or I've been swimming in the ocean, the freezing cold ocean, which I count as exercise as well. Cause that's really what exercise is like coming back into your body and out of your mind and back into your body, into this reality. Um, running in the mountains, going hiking, a bit of kayaking, 
Yeah, I do all sorts of exercise and it's definitely something that helps me level and clear my mind, give me some clarity. Um, and it helps with all sorts of other things as well, like sleep, um, which also then helps with your mental health. And yeah, I think it's just um, the the response that the human body body has to exercise is incredibly positive um, and that includes your mind. So, yes, do exercise to help your mental health. Okay, next question. What are your thoughts on antidepressants? Um, I've never taken antidepressants, um, so I don't have any direct experience with it. Um, but I know a couple of people who have very successful, like antidepressants have been a very good part of their journey. A couple of people have told me uh, that... Um, antidepressants saved their life whilst although they're not on antidepressants anymore it was a it was a time in their life when they really just needed it and it then allowed them to keep going figure out what it was that was making them depressed in the first place and then try and find some solutions to that which meant that they can actually come off of their antidepressants which is a beautiful story what an incredible pharmaceutical in that regard um, but I think people can, I, I mean, it's really difficult to speak for other people, um, especially when my experience with antidepressants is that I never actually needed to go on them. Um, I, I think that if you are on them or you're thinking about taking them, my advice would be that that's not the end goal. Like, um, it's almost it's like a survival mode whilst you figure things out and you go to the cause and the root of the problem um it's not just the solution to the problem it's like okay well, we can just stick a band-aid over that um so yeah i'm not going to speak too much more about antidepressants because i don't know that much about them um but yeah in general great <laughs> number 13 next question financial struggles of an influencer and how that impacts your mind this is a big one for me hang on let me take a sip of my tea oh hell's yeah mint tea uh still no tea sponsor for the the, the podcast by the way if anybody wants to sponsor the podcast i drink a lot of tea mm. what was the question financial struggles big one for me I mean, I grew up in a, in a, uh, my family didn't have to worry too much about money. Both of my parents, I mean, say that they were both my parents worked really, really hard for their whole lives. Um, but we were never like down and out struggling for money. Um, and so I was supported, um, especially in the early days of being an influencer when I could live at home still and my financial situation, my outgoings weren't that, weren't that hectic. So I could invest any money I was making back into a new laptop or a new camera. Um, and my road, like the road was pretty easy for me financially um, that way. But at the same time, I didn't know what I was doing really with my money. And I expected after a couple of years, especially on YouTube, that everything would just keep growing exponentially. And so I was investing in short term things like going traveling and helping pay people's 
travel um, for people to travel to come with me and just expecting everything to just keep snowballing and going really well um, so after all of these years I don't have like a big fat load of savings and I'm still working to make my money of course which I should be but I I think financial struggles of an influencer impacting my mind only recently I think my mind was creating my financial struggles even though I didn't know it at the time um, because I was um, not thinking far enough into the future and always living in like in the short term um, in terms of money um, but I think that's just an education thing as well um, my relationship with money has always been a strange one and it's something that I'm only just getting to grips with now. Um, but I think financial struggles are something that it can be seen as a blessing because I know that people who have been gifted everything don't often have the same journey of appreciation and gratitude for um, that journey as, as, as much as someone who has had to work for it. Um, so it's a, either way, it's going to be difficult um, if you are well off and you want to be an influencer. And then I've, I've <clears throat> there's quite a lot of influencers who are like rich, successful, entrepreneurial, interesting peeps who have gone, ah, I'm, I'm interesting. I drive a fast car and I live a crazy lifestyle. I'm just going to get myself a vlogging camera and start putting it on the internet because that's what's popular. Um, that I don't. I haven't. I mean, I have no interest in watching people flaunt their money and um, and sit in their egos like that. Um, but they are sometimes quite successful on YouTube because a lot of young people just want to see people bawling and flexing. And um, but they, those people, those influencers, started out with money in the first place and then became influencers. If like kids young people who don't have a regular income or financial stability start being an influencer then you have to solve that problem of money throughout your journey of being an influencer and it like me it becomes a huge part of the machine um so yeah definitely finances can impact my uh, my mind and certainly still i mean i made some pretty terrible financial decisions over the last couple of years um, where I was getting my intuition mixed up completely thinking that like I was I was thinking that I was excited and that excitement inside me was a, a clue to go ahead with something as opposed to actually what I was feeling was anxiety and I was like oh I don't suffer from anxiety so this feeling inside me yeah that's that's fear and and in my mind I was like fear if it's scary then it's worth it you know that's like old like old school competitive ignore your intuition kind of feeling so yeah still uh still figuring out the old finances over here um but of course that is a journey and a beautiful one in itself <clears throat> next question what keeps you going um flip online or in life <laughs> or both um what keeps me going in in life is that I know 
there's no exit. I wake up every morning and it's, I'm still here. <laughs> so I'm either going to get on with stuff that I know is going to help me generally go in the right direction in my life and, and bring me into a, a feeling of joy and happiness. I have that ability every time I wake up to make choices and I, I wake up every morning, I'm still here and another day rolls around and there's seemingly no exit, like I say. So, um, that's what keeps me going. I just think, do you want to be where you are right now forever? If the answer is no, then you got to, got to keep going. Um, and online I keep going because it's kind of, it's a huge part of my journey at the moment and sharing all of this online with you guys is partly therapy for me and verbally processing everything and practicing to use my voice, practicing to speak because that's something that I've realized that I've repressed in myself and sort of suppressed my need to speak up about things um, through fear of what everybody around me is going to think. Um, so yeah, speaking my truth is something that I'm working on. Um, and that involves being online. But I love being online anyway. I love, especially now that my audience is transitioning um, to people who are more empathetic and understanding and aware of the important things in life. Um, or at least becoming to, beginning to have awareness around those in things that like what you look like, what photos you take and how many followers you have are not the most important things in life. Your awareness of your emotions is far more important. Sort that out. And then the rest of the time, you're going to have a great time, whatever you do. Um, okay, next question. We're nearly halfway. First step to take when you feel like you're on the wrong path in life. Well, I think you're already taking the first step. If you feel like you're on the wrong path in your life, genuinely you feel like you're on the wrong path. Firstly, just having that thought is kind of the first step. And then you sh your next thought should be <laughs> that there is no wrong path. Like you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And everything you that has come before you that you've done is exactly what was supposed to happen for you to be right where you are right now. Where, how you move forwards from this present moment is completely up to you and in your control to a certain degree. Everybody has some kind of control over what happens to them in the future. It's your perception of what is going on in your life right now. Uh, if, if your perception of everything that's happening to you is that it's... Um, if, say, you're in a situation that you want to change that you're not happy in your job for example you're the anxiety that you feel around going to work or the arguments that you have with people at work or all of these things are indicators that are telling you directly this is not your path this is not your path this is not your path now if you're if you're feeling like that's your situation at work for example but you need money right now to keep going whilst you figure out what your next move is, then you are on your path already. Everybody always is. 
Um, there is, you're not in the wrong place ever. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. It's just, are you aware of the clues in your current circumstance that would make you think that you could do better than this? Like, I can, I deserve a better life than this. Um, so yeah, first step to take when you feel like they're on the wrong path in life. Take, give yourself some time, some thinking time, like journal, write the things down that you don't like about your life. What is it that you like about your life? What is it that you want to change? Um, what does that change look like? How can you support yourself in making those changes? Um, what, where are you going to find it difficult to change and why? Like what, yeah, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing to realize that you are, you're not where you're supposed to be or you don't think you're supposed where you're supposed to be you know because that's the first time you're like fuck well where am I what am I supposed to be doing what can I do oh like I can do this I can do that I can I've got options as soon as you get comfortable and you think nah I'm exactly I'm exactly like this is my path you know and you settle and you you um sort of say to yourself okay well if this is it you know like it is if you're happy if you're genuinely happy and you're finding purpose in your this is it then that's beautiful but if you feel like you're you could be on a different path in life then just that realization is your first step um and also i get that realization like in different aspects of my life often and i actually look forward to them i'm like ah definitely like I'm not meant to be doing that either and I'm not meant to be doing that either and the more I follow and listen to my intuition around and let my intuition guide me um the easier my life becomes um but yeah I hope that that answers the question a little bit do you worry that people won't take you seriously because of how you've drastically changed no not anymore I I tend not to worry about what people think about me anymore um, because it's a waste of my energy and I only I can truly know what's going on inside me like in terms of um, in terms of what I'm doing here what my purpose is um, my internal dialogue my this is the only thing I'm the only thing I can control you know um, in my world, everything else is reacting to me. Um, so how, if people don't take me seriously because I've changed so drastically, that's nothing to do with me. That's their opinion. And if I've changed drastically in six months or six years, there's always going to be people who are like, oh, you should have changed quicker. You should have transitioned slower. Like, this is too much for me. I'm not going to take you seriously anymore because you've done a 180. Um, that's nothing to do with me. And it's everything to do with them. And I have no control over how people perceive me, really. I can, like, I can do my best. Um, but with the vlogs, it showed that, like, I can try and create this persona online but in the end it will all come crashing down if it doesn't align with your truth so whatever my truth is it doesn't have to align with other people I'm just gonna sit in my truth and do what I feel like I need to do and if people want to follow 
that's cool. And if people feel like I've transitioned too quickly or drastically changed my life, that's because I have. <laughs> and I love it. That's my life. Like my life is like, I'm here for the big one. I'm not here to like, to mooch around and be worried about how fast I'm evolving or changing or trying a different tact or like living the life that I feel like I should be living as has nothing to do with other people. It's me. Um, so no, I'm not worried about people not taking me seriously. I think um, the when you start to align with what you're really supposed to be doing and start moving away from ego-driven life choices, the right a completely different type and group of people will start taking you seriously it's like um the conversations that i've had with people whom i met five years ago compared to now um and some of those people who wouldn't give me give they wouldn't they wouldn't give me time all those years ago because they were older maybe and had more awareness of what was going on and, and could see me not living my truth and living kind of in my ego um, and thinking that I'm the most important thing in the world. Um, now when I have conversations with those same people, they're like, it's so nice to finally meet you. Like, well done. Like <laughs> in a sense, like I'm, I'm so glad that you are, have arrived and that you're not just, um, being, um, led by your conditioned mind and your ego the whole time. Now I can actually meet you and see you, um, which is really interesting. And yeah, it's, you just you meet different people and you meet people and you start to understand why and who uh, who and why people um, are the people that are like judging you for your big changes because it's big. It's quite scary for people to see someone change so much. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think I went a bit off course on that one. Next question. When should one suffering from mental health problems seek per professional help? Um, I think if you feel like you need professional help, then you should definitely seek it as soon as possible. That's my advice. I think I put off going to therapy for um, too long. And because, of course, it's one of those taboo things where therapy to me the my idea of therapy was the one built around my perception of people who needed to go to therapy which wasn't me that's not me i don't need therapy my life's great why would i need therapy and then of course compounding that is like media and f movies and tv and stuff making therapy out to this to be this thing that like only freaks need to go to <laughs> but I meet so many people that are going to therapy. I meet more people that are going to therapy than not. And they it's amazing. It's a gift. Therapists, psychologists, people who help people get over mental um, illnesses are angels. And obviously, I think there's like all sorts of different types of therapy that you can um, gift yourself or um, go and experience to help you figure out life but I mean I go to therapy well whenever I can my therapist is quite busy so I book in as often as possible and that's usually like sort of three times a month 
something like that at the moment, four times a month. And it's changed my life. Honestly, the thing is, the thing that's nice about therapy is that you start like understanding that you are not the first person to have these problems. Your problems are um, unique to your particular story and journey, but you're everybody and a lot of people suffer from mental health issues. And it's, uh, I mean, the it's been tried and tested. There are lots of ways to figure these things out. And although everybody's journey is unique and some people's journeys are far more complicated than others, and people have a lot of trauma, like a lot of people have a lot of savage, hardcore trauma that they have to suppress because they can't even go there because they they have a meltdown. And so they repress and like put that to one side whilst they get on with their life because that's how survival mode works. Therapy is your chance to sit down and be super vulnerable with someone who you can trust who has heard it before, knows the right, the right answers and the right questions to be asking you to help you with understanding your mind better and what parts of your mind are helping you and what parts of your mind are really holding you back. And that's why I will be going to therapy probably for the rest of my life because I think it's, there's no end to the um, understanding of the complexities of being human and the human condition. And I'm really like, um, a lot of the time people are scared to go to therapy because it, they think they're broken. If I'm, I'm not going to go to therapy because I don't need fixing. Well, there's no such thing as broken. Like you are exactly who you're supposed to be and your experiences um, in your life are happening to you to give you strength, especially the tough ones, tough experiences in life. If you can understand and move through them and roll with those experiences in your history books and they make you so much stronger. If you can get past those um, fears of you being broken and not being enough, you come out the other side super strong Um that's how, that's my experience with it and that's a, a lot of people's experience that I talk to some of the most interesting and um, sort of not interesting it's not the right word but definitely interesting but some of the strongest and um, deepest sort of connections that I've had with people are with people who have really worked through all of their trauma not all of it often but like really pushing through on self-development, admitting to the things that hold them back and working on those things. And those people who have put that work in are the people that can help others and hold space for others and empathize with others and love people more. Um, for me, it's a lot about learning to love myself at therapy. That's kind of what we're working on a lot. Um, and respect myself and myself as an artist and because my internal world is reflected in my external world so for example sometimes over the years I feel under um, appreciated as an artist and I had a big paradigm shift the other day where I was like fuck 
I don't appreciate artists enough. That's why I don't feel like I'm appreciated by other artists. You know, it's 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 a two way street. Um. So yeah, when should one suffering from mental health problems seek professional help? As soon as you think it's appropriate, as soon as possible, really. Um, speak to people, speaking, communicating, getting it, get out there is the first step. And also, if you feel like you might benefit from therapy or seeking professional help, do it. The, the worst case is they're going to be like, no, you're, you're, you're totally fine. You can, you can go, go home. There's nothing that you need here. That's the worst case scenario. Like, <laughs> worst case scenario. Best case scenario is they're like, yeah, we can help you. Um, okay. Do you ever feel shame for having mental health issues and find it hard to talk about? Yes and yes. <laughs> I feel I don't feel shame for having mental health issues anymore. Like I'm halfway through this podcast about mental health issues and I've got a big smile on my face because I I'm feeling great about sharing and I'm not finding it too difficult to talk about. I think it's difficult for me to talk about sometimes when I feel like I'm um, I get this imposter syndrome where I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't be talking about mental health issues. There are so many other people who have been through way more than me. And But the fact is, I've got an audience. I'm going through some shit. <laughs> and a lot of transitions are happening. And I feel like it's part of my process to share with you guys like what I'm going through. Part of my process of figuring myself out. And also... Something that I've been working on recently is like what the difference between what I want to do in the future and what my missions and what my purpose and everything that I'm like doing right now. The difference between now and before is that like long term, there was nothing that I mean, the vlogs were serving people. I'm talking about like service to humanity. So, um, the vlogs did were a part of my service to humanity. They inspired people to be creative. They inspired people to travel. There's everything, everything, everything. So, but now with this, with this um, work that I've been doing and this new sort of found self, uh, this newfound sense of self and the importance I feel behind it, my new service is to share. I mean, it was always been to share, but to share everything and be vulnerable and show people that I'm also human and that life ain't perfect despite all of my likes and my followers. Um, and that feels like a full circle to me in terms of like almost like a redemption for my egotistical output of um, all, over all the years, you know. Um, but yeah, service. No, I don't feel shame. I do sometimes feel shame for having mental health issues, but not so much really anymore. Shame is one that I'm really finding I'm getting on top of. It's a horrible feeling, um, but it will sneak up on you in all sorts of ways. Like if I if I slip up and do something I know that isn't serving me in a healthy way, I like can give myself a hard time about it, and that's actually not productive at all um, because that pain body that's popping back up and saying, um, how's it? I need you to keep giving me some energy, by the way. Like, if I'm driving and someone aggravates me and cuts me up, my pain body is just like, overtake him, beep at him, and push him into the other lane. 
on the other side of the road. <laughs> and I'm like, no pain body. We're not going to go there today. Like I don't need to get all riled up. And then sometimes like um, it will just happen and I'll, I mean, I won't push people across the road or anything, but my, I feel anxious and my whole body like starts feeling, Arr! and then that's my pain body getting in the way. And then I feel shame about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, working on it. How do you set healthy boundaries while sharing yourself online? And do you ever in hindsight think that you've overshared and are regretful? Um, setting boundaries in life is the new cool thing to do. I promise you. It's like a game changer. Setting healthy boundaries in life. Um, I think I don't regret anything i don't regret anything it's and to not regret anything is to have love for yourself and your previous self and your journey it's it's a really hard thing for me to say i don't regret anything i promise you it's hard because i look back and i'm like should have done this should have done that no you can't change the past it doesn't even exist all you've got is the present so there's no need to shame yourself for like regretting that you did something or didn't do something or overshared or undershared. But certainly my advice to young influencers would be to set your boundaries in with your mental health in mind when it comes to sharing. And then if you know that your boundary is that you're going to share, do vlogs and share all about your relationship and your marriage and your new car and where you live and your children and 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 then if you've consciously set those boundaries before at least you can recognize if you go past them and you go over them or maybe you need to bring those boundaries back in a little bit based upon your experience but having the awareness of boundaries and the power of boundaries is the start of like maintaining a healthy relationship with yourself and with your audience online. Um, but yeah, no, I don't regret anything. Don't regret anything. Certainly in the future, I'll probably be sharing or setting tighter, more restricting boundaries with my sharing. Like I can go deep as I like on the podcast because there ain't no comment section. But with YouTube... I'm probably going to be only putting like a handful of vlogs out every now and then. Maybe when I go on an expedition, I'm going to be doing a bunch of vlogs. But um, even in those vlogs, they're going to be specific boundaries of sharing. So in the early days when I was vlogging, I was sharing so much. And that set the bar and the boundary was broad. And there was no boundary for sharing. I was like, I'm going to share whatever I feel like sharing. And so when I start bringing boundaries in... And saying, well, actually, I'm not only going to put five vlogs out a week now, or I'm only going to do three vlogs a week. Those boundaries have been like destroyed and like new boundaries. People are like, well, I'm, I'm here for daily vlogs. Anyway, moving on. Um, can being in the wrong group of people harm your mental health? Um, yes, of course. Um, but I think this is applicable online as well because you have your online friends right and your online people that you follow and you maybe don't see them in real life and um but certainly the sort of the the people you follow and the people you interact with online um it can be unhealthy 
um, depending on the kind of content that you're um, consuming and how it makes you feel. So for me, I every six months go through my list of people I follow and I unfollow any like a bunch of people. I'm just like, okay, over your stuff, only followed you because I hoped you'd follow me back. So I'm going to unfollow you <laughs> and yeah, just clear out the whole thing. And if I find myself scrolling and seeing content that makes me feel inferior or bad about my lifestyle or make me feel like I should be doing more and but not in a positive um, way that's like motivating in a shameful way I just don't follow those accounts anymore Um, I know that I like what I'm supposed to be doing in my real life and I don't need to go onto Instagram to be reminded of all the things I haven't done yet or um, don't have time for or can't afford. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's really important to, in real life, think about who you're spending time with um, and how those people make you feel when you're around them. Same online, same offline. If, you, if you're hanging around with people who um, don't make you feel good or make you feel like anxious or make you feel like you're not enough or unworthy or unloved um you don't have to hang out with those people anymore like it's it's you can draw boundaries and you can also experiment with like what happens if i just stop hanging out with that person that makes me feel shit every time we hang out and see how i feel after that and reward yourself like that's that is an act of self-love like it's not nobody's expecting you don't it's not your obligation to hang out with someone especially if they make you feel bad when when you're hanging out with them or um you feel i i remember i used to there was friends i used to be friends with this guy at school and i used to really like him um he was a good mate of mine um, but we used to go to his house and he turned into this completely different person because of his brother and his parents were like different and he turned into this horrible like person and I never used to like going around his house but we, I used to like hanging out with him at school um, and I one day just when he used to invite me back to his house I just used to say no after a while and then he didn't want to be friends with me at school either and back then I didn't know what was going on I was just a small child so um, what I obviously in, in, in retrospect, if I'd said to him, look, um, I'll hang out with you at school, but at your house, I, you make me feel bad or like I get scared or whatever. Um, but yeah, sh- cutting people out of your life that aren't making you feel good is pretty much like the fastest way to make yourself feel better. Um, if you're in a, in a mental health space that you're not happy with, um, Certainly for me, I I find it really difficult to cut people out of my life um, or to give people space. It's, I think, apparently a Piscean thing. We find it really difficult. Um, and But having an awareness is, again, the key to all of this. So I look back on like the last couple of years and there are some relationships and some friendships that were developed for I don't know why they were developed into my life and um 
I always felt like I was the bad guy for like cutting that person out of my life um, and feeling like I had failed the friendship. But the reality is like you don't have to be friends with everybody um, and friends do come and go. And that's not a bad thing. That's not an indicator that you're a bad person. If you, I'm not friends with anybody really that I was friends at school with. Um, and mostly because at school I was focused completely on kayaking. <laughs> so I never really developed like very deep friendship on. So I'm friends with like um, one or two people from school. Um, and I'm friends with a few people from the kayaking days, but not the people that I used to spend all day every day training with because I live in a different country to them. Um, so, and I don't feel bad about this and nor do they. It's like you, you have your time together and you learn from each other and everybody's in your life to teach you something. Um, if you can take that outlook on things, that then that's like a really healthy sort of perspective to take. It's like everybody's in your life to teach you something. Um, but yeah, don't worry about not having very many friends. I think the older you get, the more you realize also that it's the precious few that you should be holding on to, you know. It's like... Um, Less is more, definitely, with friends. Um, and if you're going through mental health issues and you want to find out maybe who's there to help you and who's not interested, opening up to people is a good way of finding that one out. I know that previously, if someone had really opened up to me about how tough life was for them in any given moment, there's only so much empathy I would have had for them before now. And because I wouldn't really have known how to help them either, um... I probably would have just said, dude, I'm like, I'm really sorry. That sucks. Like I, maybe you, and then I probably would have just suggested a load of things that they should have done to help them in their life as opposed to just be, have empathy for them and just say, that's hard. Wow. I'm like so sorry that you're going through this. Sometimes people like, it's important just to hold space for people like that. And that's not something that I used to be capable of. Um, cause I didn't know that that was, that's how life worked. But, and, and so if I was to open up, like there was probably only a handful of people that I really get vulnerable with now. Um, but actually I find that the quicker I go deep and vulnerable with someone, the quicker I find out whether or not they're interested in like sticking around, <laughs> um, you go straight in there with the truthful communication and you self, save yourself a whole load of explaining later. Um, that's yeah honest communication um, okay next can being in the wrong group of people no we just did that one does comparing followers or subscribers cause depression um, not directly I don't think I think your fears and insecurities around um, numbers followers subscribers and likes is what's causing the depression and comparing those followers and subscribers and likes with other people probably compounds that that negative feeling that you are not enough or other people are better than you, which is, of course, false. Why do people feel the need to show how good their lives are on Instagram? Again, it's because... Um, think about yourself. You Do you want to go on Instagram and think... and check all the sad things that are happening to everybody throughout their day 
Probably not. <laughs> you go on Instagram to go and get a little boost of dopamine, see some cool shit, get inspired, and and escape your world and disappear into your iPhone world and see like the rest of the world that's going on. That's what you want. So that's why people feel the need to show how good their lives are on Instagram because that's what people want. People demand it. If it was really popular to be vulnerable online, everybody would be vulnerable online. It's just not, it's a popularity game because if you, uh, if you're feeling insecure um, about your life, and you post like a really nice picture on Instagram and people go, oh, wow, congrats. Your life's so great. You're like, ah, yeah, I can forget about my reality for a second. Um, has sharing your journey helped you? And do you feel a responsibility to share? I think I already answered this a little bit earlier, but yes, sharing has definitely helped my journey. Um, has sharing helped your journey? Um Yes. Sorry, I'm just rereading the question. I spelt it wrong. I do feel like I have a responsibility to share um, because I'm getting so much feedback from people saying that they appreciate the vulnerability and they're learning a lot about themselves through my vulnerability and my sharing of this journey. And it definitely helps me. Um, It's a lot easier for me to um, communicate like this with you guys and um than it than it was previously because i understand the benefits from from both sides um obviously like i i mean i enjoy podcasting but sometimes especially when it's such a vulnerable podcast like this i kind of find it a bit difficult to actually sit down and get it done um but i know that it's going to help people and it's going to help me and it's going to um it's taking me in the right direction because it is more in alignment with being of service to people um, and helping them figure out their their shit, which is hard. Um, Next question. Do you think you'd be in a good state of mental health if you weren't with Ella? Great question. Um, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the, where I'd be if I hadn't, met Ella I think um, definitely I probably would have spent a lot longer being single which was not particularly conducive to a healthy lifestyle and mentality for me Um, do you think you'd be in a good state of mental health if it weren't with if you weren't with Ella I think it would have taken me longer to figure things out I think with (laughs) with Ella I mean she she's a healer um, she's an incredible woman and she is, I mean, she helps accelerate this whole thing for me, if I'm honest, to the point where sometimes it, I'm just like, listen, can we just be human for a second and slow down and not crack on with all of this healing? Um, but yeah, it can be, I guess it can be difficult to kind of think about where I would be if it wasn't for Ella Certainly, um, I had an awakening in in a, in a sense that like, holy shit, I've been living in my ego for so long. And that was all before Ellen and I were dating. So I definitely have been set on a path. But I think finding, um, finding someone who you can be vulnerable with, like I can be with Ella, is 
incredibly um, healthy, especially in a relationship. Um, so I think, yes, I'd be in a good state of mental health, but I don't think I'd be in as good a state um, with my mental health if it wasn't for Ella. Next question. How do you deal with people saying you've changed when really you've just grown further into yourself? Um, the you've changed, I'm disappointed comments and feedback. I now know much like all the other negative feedback that I get, um, most of it anyway, um, is not to be taken personally. You've changed is basically saying like someone saying to me, like the version of yourself that you used to project onto Instagram aligned better with my beliefs um that's pretty much it now what you're doing is different to my beliefs you've changed how dare you um and like you say I, when really i've grown further into myself it's and it's having that knowing and that understanding and not taking those comments personally that helped me read those comments and say that's fine thank you i actually have changed um I'd be worried if I hadn't changed. Am I just going to be the same person for the rest of my life? No, I don't work this hard to stay the same. Like, I'm evolving here. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> um, okay, next question. I suffer from anxiety, and sometimes I just want to bawl my eyes out. But, it feel, but I feel like it's still not okay for men to cry. How can I get over this? A really, really big issue is the lack of vulnerability that men feel like they can show and it's toxic and I certainly have been there my whole life. I'm a sensitive fucking Pisces and I cry when I'm angry, I cry when I'm sad, I cry when I'm happy um, and my whole life I've thought that that's a bad thing. Rarely was I told that it's beautiful to let it cry and just be like, okay, yeah, that's you be sad, be happy, let it out. So bottling up all of those emotions, I can tell you is not healthy physically or mentally. Um, your body will store those emotions and they will develop into a disease. That's That's how I believe things to play out in life now. I think if you don't deal with your emotions, particularly, well, especially as a man who in this world, is, like being an emotional man is um, discouraged generally because it's seen to be weak. Again, this competitiveness coming back and biting us in the ass. Um, but it's not, it's not weak. Like, um, it, not only is it okay for you to cry, but it's necessary and healthy to show those emotions and um, that's actually something that Ella taught me very early on is like how beautiful it is to cry like how beautiful to not have to carry that anymore you know you always feel better after a cry you don't have to carry the weight of that emotion in your physical being anymore let it out I had a cry in yoga the other day it was hot yoga so, and I was sweating my balls off so nobody noticed <laughs> except for Jules, the yoga teacher who came over. Um, and I think she was really happy, actually, that I, something came up for me. And it was a realization that, like, I was 
it was a tough, hot power yoga session. And I was in, in a plank and it was hard and I was starting to shake. And I just started crying and I had this big smile on my face. And I realized like, this is my self-love. Like exercise for me is my key. It's like myself, it's why have I not been doing this more? No wonder I used to be an athlete. It used to be the best thing for my mind. And so that, and then I had a big cry about it. It was beautiful. I went straight to therapy and had another massive cry. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, if the, if the waterworks start, feel like they're coming, I let them flow and I am not ashamed of it. It doesn't make me weak. It makes me strong. Um, so yeah, how can I get over this? I guess just practice really. And if you're, in an environment where people won't let you show your emotions, change your environment. Um, am I wrong to only be posting the best bits of my life on Instagram? Great question. No, I don't think you're wrong to be only posting the best bits of life on Instagram. I think obviously like it's a highlight reel um, of your life. That's natural. Um, I think it's wrong to post that you are happy when you're actually struggling or sad um so being vulnerable online as well as showing all the highlights is the key to spreading the this reality that vulnerability is key to a balance in your emotional life um so no you're not wrong to only be posting the best bits you're wrong to be posting the best bits if you're posting that you're happy at the same time as actually being really sad. Ella's just come home. Hey, baby. Um, no, it's all right. Um, okay, next question. We've only got a couple more left. Why are you not more vocal on social media about the fact that a therapist has helped you through your issues? Great question. Again, a bit of a taboo subject for me that I've been sort of building up to sharing about and also it took me a while to actually get stuck into seeing a therapist um and also i mean it says the fact that a therapist helped you through your issues a therapist is helping me through my issues and will be for a long long time so when i'm i guess like now i'm being more vocal about it because um i'm a little bit further down that line down that sort of root of therapy is actually going to see a therapist and i didn't really have much to say on the subject um until now um so yeah now you can consider this me being more vocal um yeah i guess that's it next question do you feel like the labels of anxiety and depression are being used too liberally? No. I feel like um, people are only, people just like me, in my experience, I'm only just realizing what anxiety and depression are because I'm kind of re coming to terms with the fact that, like, well, I have been coming to terms with the fact that I've, I've spent a lot of my life building up a life that's someone else's dream. Um, and then when I realized that anxiety is real and that I'm suffering from depression, that dream comes crashing down and I'm 32, 33 years old <clears throat> when that all happened. Um, and before then, the label of anxiety and depression, depression didn't apply to me. 
although they did, I just didn't realize it. So the more people can be talking about anxiety and talking about depression and talking about their experiences with it online, the less it becomes like a subject that nobody wants to chat about. And therefore, if it's less taboo, then people are more likely to actually seek help around their anxiety and depression issues. So the more we talk about this, the better. Because everybody's got those issues. Everybody's got some kind of trauma that they've had to or are or will be dealing with in the future. And mental health um, and the disease of fear in the mind of humans is running like crazy wild. And we need to be talking about it far more. Um, Have you always had mental health issues? Yes, I guess I have. Awareness I have not always had though. Um... And I remember when I first realized that what was happening to me in a panic attack was a panic attack. I was like, fuck, that's a panic attack. I thought that was just like really hardcore crying where I thought I was going to die. But when I realized that, I kind of looked back through my life and there'd been times, not just recently, but in my teenage years too, when I'd been having not many panic attacks, but just certainly like um, key moments in my life where I'd really like, fallen into that panic attack um situation but with no awareness of what it was um so yes i have i suppose always had mental health issues it's not something that like the internet gave me it's just something that the internet helped me um helped me see really with all this uh crazy experiences that i've been having um over the last few years with sort of dealing with uh being online i suppose okay nearly done ever feel like you couldn't talk about your feelings without being ridiculed because comparatively you have it so good in your life yeah this is a big one for me um sort of one of my old mantras that i don't really use anymore was like um just saying things that would confirm in my mind over and over and over that I have nothing to complain about I have nothing life is so good I'm super lucky this is all like everything's amazing um and you tell yourself that over and over and over again it becomes much easier to uh, to um put aside all of the difficult emotions and the low frequency feelings and just crack on and be like why would I have anything to complain about my life is so good and the problem there is the comparison. Um, I feel really, I can see other people struggling around the world and not having a life that is as joyous or as abundant or as um, uh, filled with so many opportunities as mine. Um, and so I would feel that there's a huge gap between their reality and my reality, so much so that like, I was living in a completely different world and I would there was no way that in that world I would ever complain about anything. And so I'd rep- repress those feelings and just be like, well, my life is perfect. I have nothing to complain about. And that was um that was a problem because I didn't do any complaining. I didn't do any um sort of searching in my feelings for where I could be improving my life. I just assumed that everything was perfect, um, which it clearly wasn't. Um, Okay, next question. Modern clinical research shows benefits of psychedelics for mental health. 
is this your experience? Interesting question. Um, my experience with psychedelics is short and varied. Um, I have mostly tried plant medicines and not really that many or very frequently and seem to have very different results um, and sort of medicine that's been delivered to me with each time that I've previously tried it. And I think for me, definitely plant medicine has helped in a couple of aspects, but mostly it kind of highlighted what I needed to do more work on. Just doesn't really fix anything specifically. And it's just a, it's also like a huge ego shed, which is the main benefit that I've found um, in my experience. But it's something that I definitely want to uh, delve into a little bit more, do more research. And But for the time being, I have plenty of things to be getting on with in terms of work, um, internal work and external work. Um, there's no need for me to be doing any crazy uh, psychedelic experiences at this stage in my life. But, yeah, I think um, recently Oregon, um, is it Oregon, made a, made a move to um, legalize psilocybin, which is the psychedelic, uh, psychoactive substance in magic mushrooms. And I think it's a really, I posted on my Instagram story about it being a really good, important thing because these plant medicines are literally natural and of the earth. And I think um, if we, if plants and nature are illegal, then freedom doesn't exist. And there's a very, very special, incredible intelligence behind these plant medicines that is trying to help humanity and kind of um, guide us, I think, in a way that... Um, moves us away from ego and more into love and compassion. Um, but my experience is pretty limited, to be honest, and it's something that I want to look into in the future more. Um, but yeah, next question, number 33. Any tips for reducing anxiety? You've mentioned meditation. How can I get started? Um, so many tips for reducing anxiety. Let's talk about meditation first, though. I think I'm pretty new to meditation. I definitely don't do it enough, and I'm not consistent enough with it. But the more I get consistent with it, the more benefits I um, receive from it. So it's people think meditation is just like closing your eyes and calming your mind. Um, it's a lot about just closing your eyes and observing your thoughts um, and then trying to sort of decide like what what thoughts are your conditioned mind what what's actually you and kind of separating you from your conditioning so that you can calm yourself down and your body responds um to that calming by actually feeling great and feeling peaceful and heart rate goes down anxiety goes down um i use meditation when i feel like i need to get my mind in order before doing something so also um although I haven't been doing it so much recently, first thing in the morning, I try and do at least like a little five minute sit down before I go on my phone and before I go into reaction mode. Um, and I had a really good meditate on the mountain 
a couple of days ago when I went for a hike with Kyle and Jumps. And we sat in the in the sunlight, the, f- the fresh morning sunlight, and just had like a 15, 20-minute meditation. And it was just absolutely like blissful. I felt like a new human after it. Um, so meditation, I, I think, is incredibly powerful for bringing yourself back into a state of peace um, from which you are better able to make decisions because you're not being run by your emotions. Um, good place to start with meditation is Headspace app. Um, I don't use it anymore because I, I don't like having headphones in when I meditate because I think the Bluetooth is cooking my brain. But that's just a conspiracy. Um, and also I want to be able to have to deal with the sounds that are coming in around me and not wish they weren't there but accept them and um, ignore them and use them as a bit of a challenge, you know. So you should be able to meditate anywhere um, and that's kind of the challenge of it. Okay, next question. Oh, other tips for anxiety as well is um, just trying to give yourself awareness of what the voice in your head is telling you when you're feeling anxious. Like, what's that conditioning that's like going over and over in your mind telling that you that you're not good enough or um, you're underqualified for this or whatever it is that's causing you anxiety. It's like the little voices in your head that aren't you. They may be like um, a teacher from when you were a kid who was like having a bad day and like um, there was a, or maybe a parent that has told you something over and over and over that they've been told by their parents as well. And it's just a thought that goes through your mind that sets the frequency a bit lower and it's just not a nice, kind thing to be saying to yourself. So giving yourself some love, make yourself a cup of tea, make take, give yourself a few minutes like just to chill, run a bath. Um, Els has showed me recently that Epsom salts baths are like the best thing ever. Um, so get yourself some Epsom salts, hot bath. Um, just more self-care and more self-love and less caffeine um and be being aware also of the energy of people around you and how you might feel in the presence of those people and what they're saying and whether or not you think it's like a um something that is actually making you feel good or making you feel anxious um sometimes i feel anxious when i think too much about the future about what um, I should be doing right now to help me in the future um, and just I, when I think of that I, I try and remember that like the future doesn't actually exist and nor does the past like all the only thing that is actually real is that at the very present moment that we're in and so right now if I'm doing something that is not going to help me in the future and that's why I've got anxiety then that's your body trying to tell you something. Um, whereas if you're thinking about worrying about having enough money in the future, your body doesn't know that the future doesn't exist. So it will just put yourself in that anxious state of being regardless. So just keeping an eye on your thoughts and not letting them wander into like dark negativity. Um, but if you're getting anxious and you're not sure why, um, is your body trying to tell you something? Um, 
but yeah it's an ongoing journey trying to learn about your intuition um and when to use anxiety and know that that's your body trying to tell you something and when to take some cbd oil and go and drink a cup of tea and meditate okay last question how can you be an influencer without being harmful to yourself and others um be conscious in your influencing be conscious in your content and your message um and have your message align as best as possible with who you think you truly are if you're um if you're building a platform with an audience with the sole purpose of making money then and with with no regard for anybody else other than making money um then you it's going to be harmful but if you're building something that's like helping people and make money at the same time and you're being of service to people and you're being helpful and you're having a positive impact on the world and that your audience is your world um then that's i think that's how to be an influencer without harming yourself or others i think yourself particularly if you're um like me i kind of went down a a route for a long time that wasn't my route and i was following other people and following trends and following what's popular and trying to figure my figure out my way um and until you really find what your path is which is unique to everybody because your journey is completely unique you are incredibly unique individual and so if you create something that is true and unique from you despite the outside influences that are going to obviously impact what it is you create you'll make something that's original and that's how you look after yourself in the long run is by making something that's different to everybody else and sometimes when you make something that's different to everybody else it's not that popular but so it's kind of difficult to monetize and turn it into a career but in the long term it's much more valuable to have a thousand people that each buy your t-shirt than a hundred thousand people that just want to see your butt um if that makes sense <laughs> so yeah there's 34 questions from instagram that you guys have asked me um i hope that was kind of useful and there was yeah i didn't ramble on too much um, but thank you so much for listening if you got this far well done congrats give yourself a pat on the back um and i will see you guys in the podcast very soon thank you so much for all the questions and thank you for listening and yeah i love you guys all right that's the end of the podcast thank you so much for listening guys i just wanted to remind you um that this saturday the next saturday 25th of may new merchandise is dropping on mrbenbrown.com on my website thank you so much for everybody who's considering purchasing and supporting me in this wild journey um i really really appreciate it without you guys i literally would not be here sharing this and um i will be continuing to try my best to improve these podcasts and get more interesting um guests on and talk about interesting topics that are relevant and hopefully will bring all of us into a, uh, a new perception as it were and kind of have those paradigm shifts where we can figure out some big stuff um 
But yeah, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for rating it. Don't forget, next Saturday, the 25th of May, is when my merchandise is coming out. And if you've ever bought merch from me before, you'll know that it sells out pretty quickly. So do get on it. And I'm also going to be putting up some kind of shipping offer and a deal on my Instagram next week, as well as photos of the merch throughout the week so you can see the design. Um, But yeah, that is all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll check you guys soon in the next podcast. Peace.